So do you niche down and focus on one thing, become the best at that? Or do you diversify your skills, learn as much as you can about as many things in hopes of becoming more employable? We're going to talk about it. Stick around. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being here. This is the Adam Claremont Show. I'm your host, Adam Claremont. Here we help you start and grow a career in audio. And who better to learn from than the people behind the television and film you watch? The music you listen to, the video games you play, much, much more. We will learn how to build your client list, get the most out of your gear, and earn more money in less time. And speaking of working faster, I'd like to offer you a free gift. I put together a list of tips and tricks to help me to be more productive and more efficient with my time. In a service-based industry where we trade time for dollars, time is very valuable and I don't like to waste it. So please go to adamclaremont.com workflow, pick up your free PDF guide and begin working faster and earning more in less time. Now let's get to our guest. Emma Butt is a dubbing and re-recording mixer based out of the UK who over the last decade plus has been racking up an extensive list of credits, including a little known show called Game of Thrones, uh, also Quiz, Sex Education, Doctor Who, Brave New World, plenty more. She's also a regular contributor at Pro Tools Expert, which has the most amazing information. So that should tell you another thing about her chops. She's also super committed to helping the next generation of audio professionals. So Emma, thanks so much for finding the time to talk today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, you are quite busy, I've noticed. Yeah. Tell us what you've been working on recently. Um, I Well, currently this week, I'm actually at a video games company, which is completely new territory to me. Um, it's not something that I ever thought I'd be doing, but games is just such a huge industry right now. There's so much work. Um, I'm recording it is basically the same as doing ADR, which is what I usually specialize in. Um, so I've been doing that. I just finished a TV series for BBC called Talking Heads, which is based on an original series that Alan Bennett, the writer, did, I think back in the 80s. Um, so they've mm. redeveloped it. They, the BBC wanted to find something that they could easily do during lockdown. And they approached Alan Bennett and this production team. And basically the whole project got from development, um, you know, commissioned to post-production, uh, turned around in three weeks, four weeks. No kidding. Yeah. So that wasn't even development before everything happened with lockdown. No, it was literally lockdown happened. Wow. And one of the commissioners at BBC approached Alan Bennett and this production team and said, do you want to do this? We have all of our empty sets. All of our post facility is empty. They're yours for the taking. Go for it. Wow. I haven't heard of those stories. I mean, that's just to get up and go. Talk about being agile and figuring things out. It was incredible. So that's, that's cool. So um, I'm curious, usually... I see projects like that that happen so quickly and it's maybe because maybe Emma or other people on the job were working on another project with some people who had the brainchild and got it and let's just keep our team together. Was it kind of a similar situation for you, do you think? Were you sort of top of mind? Well, I think I was kind of lucky in that um, the production team that ended up doing the post-production team who looked after the show 
are the same post-production team that look after EastEnders, which is one of my regular gigs as a freelancer. So yeah. I had just helped them out in finishing off all the last episodes of EastEnders that had been shot before uh, lockdown happened here. And yeah, I guess I was just fresh in their minds. They were like, well, do you want to do this as well? Because I mean, you're just going to be sat in your bedroom for the next God knows how long yeah. otherwise. Yeah. So this will keep you busy. So it was perfect. What else are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, yeah. And so that's another show you just finished up as well that I believe is airing now, EastEnders, the new season. Oh, my God. Well, it's kind of been a running joke that uh, season one has just ended. Um, so there's no oh. seasons in EastEnders. It's kind of like it's a soap, basically. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. So it's been running for, I think, 20 odd years. Um, and it's usually on four nights a week, every week. And then when lockdown happened, they cut it down to two episodes a week so they could last a little bit longer on air. And it officially, for the first time in its history, came off air on, oh, what are we, Thursday? It came off air on Tuesday night. That was the last oh, episode wow. aired. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's really, really odd. Like not having EastEnders on every week is just a shock to people's systems. Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for a story like that. I mean, not like I wanted that to happen, clearly. That's, that's comes <laughs> up from. But when this whole thing happened, you know, uh, you know, I, I got so many phone calls from post supervisors, you know, trying to get in studio and wrap up some some details. And, you know, just trying to think of what production is out there that all of a sudden is going to go to reruns because they're not wrapped <laughs> and they can't wrap. So I, this is actually the first instance I've actually heard specifically of it sort of happening that way, which is unfortunate, but I'm surprised more of that didn't happen. Yeah, I think there's been a few over here. I think we have another series called Holby City, uh, which is on BBC as well. And to my knowledge, they've dropped off air for a little bit too. Really? So it's kind of, yeah, all of the long running soaps, they've all had a bit of a, you know, a setback and they can't shoot. And usually they are, they do film in advance enough that they have a bank of episodes, but right. I mean, no one expected lockdown to go on for as long as this. And we still don't know when we can shoot. So yeah, it's kind of mm. been inevitable. So for uh, all of our listeners who maybe don't, don't know, you're in the UK, as I mentioned. You didn't start in the UK, though, is that right? No, I mean, I'm hoping the accent gives it away that I'm Irish. <laughs> right. But I will say, dun, I dun, actually... Dun, dun. No spoiler alert, but... <laughs> I yeah. do get American quite a lot. People think I sound American, which... Have they been to America? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kind of want to know as well. I'm like, no, definitely not. I'm Irish, you can tell. Um, yeah, I started out in Ireland, um, and... I kind of, I was in a company there for nine years. I basically left university at 19, did my course, left at 19. Uh, a few months before I finished my course, I was in that panic of, oh crap, I have to get a job. What am I going to yeah. do? I now have to pay off my, my student loans and, you know, find employment. Um, and I was really lucky. I got a job as a runner in a, a post-production facility, but actually they didn't hire me at first. Um, I went in for my interview, met with them, went really well. They said they'd call me back by the Friday to let me know if I got the job and I hadn't heard anything. So I emailed them and basically the, they had hired someone else because they thought I was too timid uh, to take on the role of a runner. And the yeah. girl that they hired, uh, she came in on her first day and 
went on her lunch break and never came back. She hated it so much. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was really lucky in that. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. And by chance, that was the day that I decided to email and just see what was happening with the job. Um, mm. So my timing was just spot on. And they offered me the job there and then. They said, can you start on Monday? So I had to finish my last few months of university part time and work yeah. full time in the facility. Um, failed my exams because I was too too concentrating on like you know starting because my job. you're working <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. and I had to redo my exams but um no it was incredible and I loved that company so much I learned I learned everything there um they were basically yeah. family and I grew up there because I started so young so what was the type of work that was uh coming in there a lot for you well it was everything so the great thing about Ireland um which you don't get so much here in the UK is because the industry is so small, you cannot specialize in one thing. You have to be. Oh, that's good, though. Yeah, it's. I, I find it incredible. Um, yeah. You have to do everything. So my my journey was kind of. I started off as a runner. Then I worked as a uh, receptionist and post produ- post producer, uh, doing all the audio bookings for short form because they wanted the clients to get to know me. And then when I had mm. done that for six months, then I moved into being an audio assistant for commercials and advertising and corporate um, learned how to deal with clients, do voice records there. And then from there, I progressed into long form. And I actually started out my very first show that I worked on was a show for the deaf. And it was doing this. Yeah, which everybody gives me that face when I say that. What around what year was that? That was it. Oh my God, what are we- I'm curious. Well, that would have been when I was 20, so 12 years ago. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, I hope your maths is better than mine. Well, the reason I asked is because right now we're seeing a lot more of, um, you know, video for the deaf, but, and it's not just subtitles, but it's like it's subtitles with more like informative information about what's occurring within the audio space or what they're seeing. So they're getting more detail. So I was I was curious if maybe like I mean this is the states I'm talking about, but maybe over there maybe that was more maybe we're ahead of the bar from from where we were. I think where we, are, where we are. Yeah, it was definitely a very progressive show for its time. I mean, it ran it ran for oh God, I think it was fourteen or fifteen seasons, and um, before mm. it got cancelled, but it was going from the late eighties, and that's when it started, and it was brilliant because it. It was made by deaf people. The director was deaf. Um, the producer ha- did have hearing. Um, so she was the one who came in and did the final mix reviews. Um, but yeah. everybody else, all the presenters, most of the, the crew were all deaf. And I learned so much about the wow. culture. Um, did you learn sign language? No. that was The only thing I learned was this, which is, yeah. oh, you can't even see my hands. <laughs> Is that like a stop everything? (laughs) Stop everything. I think that was, oh, feck. I think it was, um, it was like, if you're cheering, that was what you had to do or like celebrating. I think we call that jazz hands. Yeah. Well, it's essentially (laughs) jazz hands, but it was for if you wanted to like celebrate something really applauding, that was it. If you wanted to give applause, you did your jazz hands. It's the only thing I remembered out of, I don't know how many seasons I did of that show, which is really bad. But it was but great. That's that's a really interesting story. I mean, I love that idea and I love to hear people get experience like dipping their toes in all different places within the field. 
because there's so many people that don't. And for a great example, I mean, we're the situation we're sort of coming out of right now, you know, as we're taping this, it's uh, cl- close to the end of June. And we've been stuck indoors for the most part, a lot of people since March. And I don't know much you, but I know a lot of people who do some of the things to what I do that have not worked. And it's because they're so niched and they're so one, they do a thing. And a lot of times that thing has to be in front of someone. So like I, th- I find those experiences, especially right now, I've been, you know, really like just reflective about that, just realizing how important it is to sort of diversify the skills, but not everybody has a, an easy outlet or an easy facility to sort of get those skills. Yeah. So. It's, it's one of the things that frustrates me about over here is that when you, what I've seen from the post-production facilities is that if you go in as an assistant and you get trained up, you were told you either go into sound editorial or you go into mixing. You don't do both. Hmm. I think that limits so many like of the younger generation going forward because you should be able to do everything. You should be able to jump in and, you know, if you're doing sound design, you should be able to know a bit about mixing and how a mixer is going to want it delivered and, you know, how you should roughly balance things. And yeah, yeah, it's bizarre to me, but it seems to be very much you get pigeonholed at a very young age and that's it. That's your career path already decided for you. Mm. Uh, I don't get it. Is it the same over in the States? Do they do that? I I don't see it that way. I think it's more, I I see more people just kind of wanting to go that path. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I don't think that the majority of people want to go that path, but I do see some people, they just, maybe it's out of, um, they just don't really consider the idea of touching a lot of places. But as you just mentioned, you know, you want to be able to deliver your files organized and sounding in a way that the next person who's going to receive them wants them. And what better way to learn that than to do what they've done? Exactly. Yeah. Right. It just makes you so much more, um, I think, employable, first of all, because you're probably going to need to ask fewer questions of that person that you're going to be working (laughs) with, which, you know, I mean, everyone's good with answering questions, but I mean, you don't want to bug somebody for things that, especially something you could learn on your own. Right. That's why I look at it. I mean, each and it even goes beyond, um, you know, post-production, like let's say, for example, something on a television show. I mean, you know, it could go across I mean, music or, or video games, that same thing. The more languages you speak, I think, and the more workflows you learn, the more processes you learn. Right. The more dynamic um, work workflows you learn. I think that just informs the next place you go a lot more. How could it not? Right. And you learn a little trick from over here and you can bring it over there and. I mean, you just don't get that if you're just in your lane the whole time. Yeah, completely. There's the argument for focused, you know, the the most focused you are is, you know, maybe the better route because you become an expert. Maybe. (laughs) Um, I don't, that doesn't really work for me. Um, I could, I sort of see the argument that I'm just not really a believer in it. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, if you decide to ever go freelance as well, I mean, you're totally cutting off, um, you know, huge amounts of work that you could be applying for because you are so niche. And I've seen that so much, especially through lockdown. There are a lot of people who are freelance here who are just mixers. So all they do is re-recording or dubbing mixing. They don't do voiceovers. They don't do ADR. You know, they don't do um, anything else, sound editing, nothing. And it just limits you so much because there's only a certain amount of shows that you can mix. So why not have the skill set to go in and 
like I'm doing at the moment is I'm recording voices for video games. Um, in two weeks time, I'm going to be recording an audio book. Um, you know, yeah. week after that, I'm going to be doing all the sound for a documentary series. So it's totally varied. It, it keeps me interested, but also keeps me employed. Um, I was having a conversation with a an owner of a post house the other day. And he was asking me if I was busy and I told him just exactly what I've said to you. And he was like, oh, well, that's really good for a freelancer, though. Like you'd never be booked up three weeks in advance. And I was like, well, actually, because I can do a lot of different things, I'm usually booked up two, three months in advance. Never mind two, three weeks. Yeah, forget that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this Mind is a blown. bad month. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's the way it is. And it's because people have gotten so pigeonholed and aren't multi multi-skilled and they haven't explored different avenues it's yeah you know what i'd love to know what you think about this so i um you know i work in a studio and i'm fortunate we get a lot of interns and it's a program that i love i love to just you know meet new people and you know help out and show them what's going on and, and the opportunities you know because where where i work there's a lot of those different opportunities certainly not niche um but but in the interview process, there's certainly a lot of people that come through and, you know, many are maybe not quite the right fit. Um, and some of them start talking to me and saying things like, well, you know, I don't know how to do what you do here because I'm not here. You know, it's like it's sort of like a chicken and egg thing they get in their head. You know, I need the job to get the experience. You know, I need the experience to get the job. And it's just not that way. And especially even just what you're talking about, even if someone's in the field with YouTube. You can grab a video, you can strip it down. You can literally do everything that you just talked about on your time. And if you're not willing to do that, to learn the skill, then you're probably not willing to stay late and work the hours that you need to and put in the extra time and do all the details and needs to get it done well on a payroll. <laughs> it's, I <laughs> you know completely I mean? agree. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if I, and I've never received it and believe me, I mean, when I was 22, whatever, first going out in the workforce, I didn't do this either, but. I mean, if I ever received an email from someone looking for a job with this list of like videos or, or a reel to go to of all the VO that they've done, all the sound design they've done, all the ADR they've done, all the re-recording they've done, all the mixing, all the everything you can imagine. And then I found out they didn't get paid a dime for it. Not only would I not care they didn't get paid a dime for it, I would just be so blown away a, that they can literally do anything I toss to them because here it is. And two, just the work ethic. And now you talked about now, Even if I never hired them or if no one else hired them, they're totally going to get hired somewhere. Like you can't do all that work and not be employable. You know what I mean? So I, I, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, the, but the point is yeah. you don't need a studio to say, do this or don't do this. Like anybody with a computer, which I hope you've got one at this point, can do all of that and it costs you zero but your time i'm just so amazed at that i think it's so cool i can't understand how like when i go into facilities i always try and speak to the runners and find out you know what they want to do with their careers where like what areas they want to get into and if they get, want to get into sound i mean i love it i love getting into conversation with them about it but i am so uh shocked by the amount of students or runners that I meet that think as soon as they go into a post facility and they get a job as a runner, that they'll only be a runner for three months and then they'll be working on the next Game of Thrones. And I'm like, no, it doesn't yeah. work like that. 
and we hope that for you but yes <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta here's the thing <laughs> yeah i think it's one of those things you gotta pay your dues and you gotta you gotta prove yourself and like you rightly said you gotta put the hours in and i hate that our industry is so focused on long hours and we do i'm sure you're the same work stupid silly hours a lot of the time but sometimes you have to, and you have to be willing to do that. And you have to, it shows your dedication and your passion because I don't think anybody does this job for the money. If we're all honest, we don't do it for the money. We oh, do it for no. the love because <laughs> <laughs> we are not getting paid enough. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> if you don't have to do this, yeah, you can't do this. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Right. It's like, it's a passion job. You want to do yeah, it because course. you love it and you love being around it. And I think you can definitely see the young people who are going to progress because they get that and they go mm -hmm. in and you see them in the studio, like first thing in the morning, last thing at night, they're constantly asking questions. You know, they're going home, they've downloaded Pro Tools first so they can learn all of their shortcuts and learn how to use it. And it's, it's rare to see that at the moment, I have to say. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because there's such a great generation there and you just... I don't know. I think they need to realize you've got to put the work in at the start. It's, yeah. it's tough, but you got to do it. Well, it's refreshing. I'm so glad to hear you talk about helping people get along and, you know, um, yeah, for, for everyone else, um, if you can follow Emma on social media, she's very vocal about helping the next generation. Um, and also you're very vocal and a big proponent of getting women in the workforce, right? Getting other people involved in audio and on, and on film sets, right? Um, and in post-production. Do you want to talk about that? Because I just think it's so needed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's when I was back in Ireland, I was one of three women who did my job in the country. Um, in the UK, <laughs> yeah, in, in the whole of Ireland, we have a population of five million people and there is... Uh, me and two other women who were re-recording mixers and that and was you it. left I know right <laughs> but, you just took a third of the <laughs> <laughs> yes it was only two now oh no I think I think the numbers have gotten better back home I hope so um but the UK isn't much better I mean if you if you look at any of the re-recording mixers for high-end drama or feature films in the UK there are currently two women who get employed and um, possibly three and that's it if you go into factual and entertainment, the number gets a little bit better. Um, out of those women, there's only uh, one woman of color. I hope that is the right term because I know it changes a lot. Um, and that's it. And if you look at all of the other male mixers, they're all white men. And right. to me, I have I have a real issue with that. Um, someone called me white passing the other day, which I don't know if I'm offended by or not, but I'm actually half Pakistani, half Irish. So I, I am oh. mixed race. Um, and I never saw anybody who, well, I suppose I, I'm pale as feck right now. I can tell you that much because living in <laughs> Ireland and living in England, you don't get much of a tan. Um, but, you know, as a kid, I never saw anybody on TV who looked like me. I was so racially bullied as a kid. Uh, because I was mm. different, because I was from Pakistan. And I think it's important that we are in a, an industry, we are in the TV and film industry. We should be, you know, replicating what the world looks like, what our audience looks like. Why would you want to make a TV show? What, you know, just one 
one type of person. Why would you not want to have, you know, different opinions, different viewpoints, um, different backgrounds inputting into what you're making so that it's going to be more accessible to people and it's going to be enjoyed by more people. And that's the that's the mentality that I've never understood. And it's great to see that the conversation is now developing. But I think there's still there's still a lack of understanding that the diversity is not hitting craft and technical roles. So it annoys me every year this happens. Um, you know, the Oscars nominations will come out and everybody will be, you know, up in arms about the fact that there's no women directors. And I'm quietly, well, not quietly, because I'm very vocal about it on Twitter. You know, I'm posting, well, what about the sound role or the sound categories? Have you looked at them? Because last year there was 26 or 28 nominees between the two categories. One woman. Year before, I think it was one woman again. Um, now, thankfully, a woman has won it the past two years. But before oh, that, yeah. yeah, actually two British women. Yeah, Nina uh, yeah, <laughs> Hearthstone and Rachel. Represent. Yeah, the two of them have won the past two years. But I mean, the, the BAFTAs over here are the same. Uh, the BAFTAs this year, they've just released the nominations for the TV award. And it was all white men. Um, there was one woman again and the woman was white. So there is literally no diversity in the sound, sound craft roles at all. And that's reflective across like visual effects. That's reflective mostly across editing. Editing is a little bit better, but none of it gets spoken about. And I just find that bizarre. So that's why I'm kind of starting to do like, I think we spoke about this before we started, but I run a webinar now for women in film and TV called Technical Tips from the Experts. And it's yeah. actually been, you know, it's been really successful. It started off just as a six week, week stint and we were going to see how it goes. And, you know, I pestered them for months to let me do this. And they finally agreed. And because it's gone down so well, we've been getting great numbers. Um, you know, we're discussing if we're going to progress with this and actually keep it going because they recognize that they don't do anything for technical and craft roles and they don't do anything to promote diversity. And what I've done with that series is I've tried to find women that aren't known and I've tried to give them a platform and promote them and make sure their voices are heard because the majority of the, the people who are members of Women in Film and TV are writers, producers and directors. So the exact people who should be employing them and the exact people who say they don't know right. where to find women or, you know, any diversity of any kind. So I'm like, well, here you go. I'm offering it up to you on a plate. Next time you have a, a feature or a drama or any form of TV show that you're doing, here's... Here. Yeah, there. here's your team. That's so great. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask, and I know it's not so simple, but you just made it sound so simple. I mean, it's not a simple question to say, well, what do we do? But what an awesome example of here's a thing you can do. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. I think you just, unfortunately, if people go onto Google and they can't find something straight away, you know, they're just going to go for the easy option. And I think especially yeah. with you know, the pandemic and the situation we're finding ourselves in, people are going to go for the safety net, which is their little black book of all of the people that they've used before. And I think, you know, we're at a risk of diversity suffering because of that. But if you can go to people and say, well, look at these incredible women or look at these incredible, you know, people of diversity, 
um, look what they've done. They've done incredible stuff. Here you go. Hire them. They are going to do an incredible job. And people will. You just need to, you know, put it right in front of them and make it really obvious. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm trying, but it needs more attention. It definitely needs more attention. We need to stop just talking about directors and, you know, talk about the rest of us. Well, I mean, just that idea that series is just so phenomenally well thought out and well done. Um, I love that concept of, you know, you've got an organization with writers and directors and bringing together some people that they didn't realize are so good at what they do. And basically just schooling everyone who's watching. Well, <laughs> just, that's what I'm trying to do. Just, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Thank you. I would encourage others to take interns and do the same thing with women. I, I've, I've heard other studios blatantly say, we just don't, we're not going to take any girls. Oh yeah. There's a studio over here that I'm very vocal about that will not hire women and will not hire um, anybody of diversity. Mm -hmm. And they work on one of the biggest female-led shows that is on air in the States and in the UK at the moment. Really? Yeah. And thankfully, so I've been talking about this in series one. Um, so the show is Killing Eve. So if anybody wants to search, they'll be able to find out who I'm talking yeah. about. I mean, that just sounds like a PR nightmare that they're willing to just deal with. They don't want to make any adjustments at all. No. Well, thankfully... On Twitter this week, um, one of the writers from Killing Eve posted a photo of the writer's room and it was all white. There was no diversity. And yeah. finally, the media has got up in arms and said, this is disgraceful. You know, for a show yeah. that is meant to be supporting women and meant to be diverse, you can't do this. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if they'll change. But I mean, it's not just the writer's room. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, people say sometimes it takes tragedy to, to get through and find, you know, some change in things and you never want to go through that tragedy. But, you know, I, I do see a lot of good happening right now. I think people are starting to use their heads a little bit differently than they have even just a couple of weeks ago. You know, I mean, there's a lot of protests going on right about this issue and, you know, getting getting people of color equal rights. It's all about equality. And, you know, we've suffered a lot for a long time, but um, I think it's great seeing people like you just say I'm, enough is not enough. Like, I'm not going to just sit here and just deal with it. You know, I'm going to take some action and you're doing it really intelligently. And I think you're doing it as you know, like a boss, honestly, <laughs> you just, <laughs> you, you really are, um, you're, you're, you're consistent from what I can see. Um, you're clearly incredibly intelligent and, and resourceful. And I think it's excellent that you're able to uh, find some people to rally together um, and really just go after this. And it seems so far like you're on the right path. I'm wishing you all the best with that. I'm rooting for you. I'm trying to do what I can too. If there's anything else that I can help there, you let me know. No, but this right? is incredible what you're doing here because giving people a platform like this, I mean, that means so much because they're, it's allowing them reach a whole new audience that would not have been you know, aware of them before. So, mm. I mean, what you're doing is even better because you're giving people a voice and that's what they need. They need a voice. <laughs> so I think, yeah, continue to do what you're doing as well because right, it is you. really <laughs> valuable. So, so Emma, um, I mean, clearly, you know, if we want to give some, uh, some homework to, 
to some of our listeners here who are trying to grow in their career, start a career, or if they want to champion equality, you know, we've just given them some, or not we, I don't take credit for that, you, <laughs> just given a lot of great advice. Is there anything you want to sum up, you know, something, a, a good step, an action step that someone can take to either get going or, or, or move forward? I would say um, research, look at what studios are using, what software are they using, um, you know, get it, get a free version of it, download it. Um, I think we spoke about this as well. Go onto YouTube, rip videos off YouTube. Uh, yeah. One of the first things that I had to do in university was take an old Tom and Jerry cartoon and uh, redo the whole sound design. And it was great because it taught me so much because you were literally starting with a blank canvas, you've nothing there and you have to build up all the sounds. And every student that comes to me, I tell them to go and do the same thing because you learn so much. You learn what works, you learn how to lay out your sound effects correctly. Um, you learn how to use your shortcuts. And I always say, give yourself a deadline as well, because if you were in the real world, you were gonna have a deadline when that job needs to be done and you need to get used to working with deadlines. So download it, practice it, um, get Pro Tools first and learn how it works and learn shortcuts. Always learn shortcuts. Um, they are a lifesaver. So yeah, I think I think that'll be it. I hope that's, that's good advice. Good. <laughs> I like the deadline thing, you know? That's that's excellent. Yeah. Well, as we both know, we always get really tight deadlines, so you kind of yeah. have to. <laughs> All right. Well, Emma, I can't thank you enough. Um, you're a rock star. I just so enjoy talking with you today and enjoy reading your posts and, and seeing you pop up in all these places. Actually, quick fun tip. Uh, as I was getting ready for this interview, I was checking out some of the things that you've done and I came across a YouTube video of yours that I know that I've watched years ago for <laughs> Sound Radix uh, Ottawa line. I was like, oh, she did a review for oh, That's so funny. I remember seeing this when it first came out. That's, there's Emma. <laughs> so you're great i cannot remember if i said the right thing in that video it was the first time i've ever done one of those because uh, russ from pro tools expert was like oh will you will you do a review on this plugin because i had test i had beta tested it and i loved it because it's so bloody handy um, and he was like yeah can you can you do a, a video for us like reviewing it and i was like oh shite i really hate being on camera this is not gonna go well <laughs> i'm sorry for cursing um, that's funny. And uh, yeah, so I have no memory of what I said. And to this day, I cannot watch that video back for fear of embarrassment. So uh, well, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody go watch it. No, it's, it's a great video. And actually, that plugin is insane, especially if you need anything to be in phase. Um, but again, thank you, Emma, so much. Um, looking forward to talk to you again. For anyone else who wants more information on Emma, you can go to emmabuttsound.co.uk. I'll put that link in the description below as well. Um, but that's it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed everything. Um, I hope you're, you know, you've got a little bit of homework. I think Emma gave you some awesome action steps that you can really put into play and, and benefit from. Um, please don't forget uh, your free gift, adamclaremont.com slash workflow. I think there's a lot of value in that download. Uh, it really helps me, you know, carve out the time that I need to to get my work done faster than I ever have before. So adamclaremont.com slash workflow. Go grab that. Um, other than that, thanks for watching. Uh, see you next time.